I hope you had a great week. I know several people in our auditorium this morning celebrated a birthday this last week, and several are going to be celebrating this week. And uh, some people have been sick, some people have been healthy, uh, but I hope overall you all had a great week. And uh, thank you, choir and team and praise team and all that. They, what a wonderful job it was this morning. And I, they do a great job every week. And I also want to thank our wonderful uh, sound crew. You know, they're getting through all of these uh, technical things. We have a great group of volunteers around here that we could not run this church without you, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I pray now that you will bless the preaching of your word. God, it's been good to be in your house. We thank you that this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so, Father, I pray now that as we open your word, that you will bless it in a great and mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to be going through a lot of scripture again this week. Uh, and so if you want to start in Luke chapter 10, I will get there in just a minute. But over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've looked closely at Paul's first two uh, instructions to Timothy. These were the outward instructions. First one was what? Oh, boy. Okay. Let me help you. The first one was speech. All right. That, oh, okay. I didn't hear it. Well, you got to remember, I'm deaf now. I've gotten to that age. Uh, listening to all that music while I was a teenager, I am deaf. So just ask my wife and children, they'll tell you. Then uh, last week, I, the second outward example was what? There we go. See, I, that is how my wife has to talk to me in, at the house. So, uh, but these are the two things that we can immediately see in an individual, isn't it? Uh, but the last three qualities are what we're known as inward qualities. These are the things that you don't see on the outside immediately, but hopefully and eventually they will come out uh, in your life. And so the first of these two uh, or three inward qualities that we're going to go over that I want to look at in, this morning, the first quality is love. We throw that around a lot, don't we? We just had that most outrageous holiday called Valentine's Day that was made up with a bunch of people who wanted to make a lot of money because I don't just show my love to my wife one day a year. I show it every single day and multiple times throughout the day. I got to constantly remind her, honey, I love you, because I forget. <laughs> and she reminds me, we do it all the time, we love each other, and that's the way it should be. And so, but we celebrate uh, this holiday, this love holiday for Valentine's Day, and I have no idea why in the world any guy would want to buy one of those huge teddy bears to give to your wife. Although I have told my wife I would probably give her one if she wanted it. But uh, uh, I don't even know where you would put it, let alone anything else. But anyway, 
uh, love is the thing that I want to focus on this morning. Because love is, in a sense, like a meteor. When a meteor comes down and has hit the earth, it has created such an impact that it will never, ever be the same again. Jesus' love for us impacts our life to where we should never, ever, ever be the same again. That's the change that Corinthians is talking about, that your old life is taken away from you, a new life has started. People ought to see in your life this immediate change in your life because of the love that God has placed in your heart. The Bible has set a very high standard for love. Christ's love changed the world. And his followers' love should do the same. And that includes you and I today. If you're in your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. I'm in in verse 27. We've done this in the last few weeks. I just like to always remind you guys, because again, we need to be reminded. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with, and I hope you can write, you will write in your Bible. And if you write in your Bible like I do, or highlight in your Bible like I do, it says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you putting these five things into practice in your life that will show your love for God? Do you love the Lord your God with, first of all, all your heart? In Scripture, that is the core of our entire being. When it says heart in the Bible, it's not that pumping thing that's inside of you. It is this entire core of your entire being. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Secondly, do you love the Lord your God with all your mind? Now, notice all. I have said this before on many occasions that I had a professor in in college, and he said, every time you see the word all, remember this. All means all, and that's all all means. It never means some. It never means most. It means all. So do you love the Lord your God with all? all your soul. Your soul is the center of your feelings and emotions. The Greek philosopher Plato back in the fourth century uh, BC perceived that the soul is the eternal element in man. Whereas the body will perish at death, he said, the soul is indestructible. In 1907, There was a physician from Haverville, Massachusetts, by the name of Duncan McDougall. He hypothesized that souls had physical weight, and he attempted to measure the mass lost by a human when the soul departed the body at the moment of death. And so he did this scientific study and this experiment that became very popular because he found out that the soul, the weight of a soul, was 21 grams. That something leaves your body at the moment of death. If you look at the wise man, I mean the, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, both of them died 
And then the Bible says immediately Lazarus was taken up into heaven and the rich man was taken to hell. Immediately. It wasn't something they didn't go to a place called purgatory because that's a man-made place. They went immediately. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Those of us that have accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, it's total separation forever from God Almighty. And so we have found that the body, that something happens to the body. So do you love the Lord your God with all your soul? The, body, the Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who can kill the body because that's the world's philosophy. The world thinks there is nothing besides this life. And so Christ says, don't fear the one that can destroy the body. He said, and he continues on, but fear him who can destroy both soul and body, indicating the person that can destroy the whole person, the whole you. Thirdly, do you love the Lord your God with all your strength? This is how we can see how strong you are in the Christian life and how you resist the attacks of the evil one. And the only way that you can resist the attacks of the evil one is found in Ephesians chapter 6, where the Bible says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. But the most important piece of that armament is found in verse 16 where it says, take up the shield of faith, which we'll get into in just a minute, the shield of faith which, you, with, you, which with you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. But you have to put on the whole armor of God. Some of us want to put on a piece here, a piece there, whenever it's, it's convenient for us. I know that our, our wonderful police officers that are, that are here this morning, that when they get ready to go to work, they just don't put on just their gun on their holster. They have to gear up, and I don't know how much it weighs, but I am sure it's very heavy that they are going around and protecting you and I uh, with a lot of gear on. And they're also protecting themselves. But we want to do it in the Christian life. Well, if I just need the shield of faith, I'm going to take it today and just use that. But the body, Bible tells us that we got to put it all on and not just put it on when it's convenient for you or when you need it. You are to have it on every single day. Is it tough to do? Yes. Is it convenient? No. It's hard to put it on every single day, but we're supposed to be doing that so that we can shield ourselves from the attacks of the evil one. Fourthly, do you love the Lord your God with all your mind? This is your intellect. Philippians chapter 2, if you want to turn there. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery or to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. The one who created the universe left heaven in all of its splendor, became nothing 
here on earth. He became nothing here on earth. And in my finite mind, I cannot comprehend why God would have done this other than he loves each and every one of us. He not only he came with no reputation, taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of man and being formed in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. But I love this portion. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, listen to this carefully, every knee should bow. There's going to come a day, folks, where every knee will bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And get this. Some of you that have never believed in Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and I'm sure in a crowd this size there, ha- there are some in here today, and it says that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every person is going to confess Jesus is Lord. So do you love the Lord your God with all your mind? Or are you filling your mind with other things? Fifthly, if you've done these other four things, we are told then to love our neighbor as ourself. Like I said last week, what would happen when we start, if we would start to change and live our lives this way? A genuine love for God, I mentioned last week, and a genuine love for our neighbor. Those that we come in contact with every single day, we would actually change the world. Remember the parable I told you about last week, the Good Samaritan? Well, you and I are the traveler. You and I are the one that was attacked because Satan, our enemy, has robbed us. He has wounded us severely because that is what sin will do to your life. Jesus had compassion on us. Even though we were his enemy, Remember, the Samaritan was the enemy of the Jews. Even though we are God's enemy, according to Philippians 3.18 and James 4.4, Christ loved us anyway. And Christ took care of us by sending himself to the cross. And Jesus then tells us that we are to go and do likewise. Go out. And be a neighbor to others this week. Because what Christ did for us, it is now our duty as Christians. And according to the best of our ability, we ought to be going out and helping and giving aid and relieving all those who are in need of help. Only whatever you are capable of doing, you should be able to do. And I want you to understand something else this morning. That when you love God, you cannot help but love his son. Because all God ever thought about was his son. He said in Matthew 3, 17 and and Matthew 17, 5, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When you love God, your life will change so that everything you say or do will go through the lens of of how you love God. And how is that possible? Well, first of all, it's possible through a loving lifestyle. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Beloved, 
Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever, whosoever loves God has been born of God and knows this is, this is that intimate relationship. Anyone whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God, you have that intimate relationship with God, but anyone who does not know God because, does not love God because God is love. There is a point here. If you love God, it, you will have an intimate relationship with God. If you do not love God, you will not have an intimate relationship with God. What kind of relationship are you having with God today? Secondly, your love for other people will communicate to them what your beliefs are. John chapter 13, the Bible says, A new commandment I give to you, Jesus said, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. There's an old song that I used to sing as a child in junior church, we called it. And it went like this. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, but we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. Our love for others communicates to Christians and to non-Christians alike if we truly have that close, intimate relationship with Christ or if we don't have that relationship with Christ. Number three, the love for God will lead for a love for others. It'll lead to a love for others by seeing others as God sees them. I often pray, God, let me see this world as you have seen this world and as you see this world. Well, how did God see this world? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises other other people understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting that anyone should perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And then secondly, there is a sacrificing for others. When you have, when Christ, when you, other people see Christ in you. Because John 15, 13 tells us, greater love has no man than this, than someone lays his life down for his friends. Fourthly, our love for God will lead to a love for ourselves. Our love for God leads to a love for ourselves. How? By keeping ourselves pure. And I'm going to focus on this next week. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, 6 and verse 19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Take this to the Planned Parenthood. Because the Bible tells us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who dwells in you after conversion. And it says, you have it from God and you are not your own. Because it goes on to say, for you have been bought with a price. The ultimate price tag. The sacrifice of God's only son. And you have been purchased through his blood. But we're, like I said, we're going to focus on that next week. 
But our love for God will also lead to having self-discipline in our life. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 tells us, but I discipline. Paul is saying, I bring my body under subjection so that it will, that it will mold my character and it will enforce me to have correct behavior in my life. I discipline myself. Those of you, I, I just love this. I am guilty of this. I'm telling you right now. We'll go and we will exercise. And I, and I, you know, those of us that have exercised it before, they say if you eat one donut, you're going to have to do something the equivalent of like 100 burpees. Anybody know what a burpee is? A burpee is, I'm not going to show you this morning, but a burpee is hard to do, and you do it 100 of them, boy, you're going to wear yourself out. But you've got to squat down, and then you've got to kick your legs out. And usually I put a push-up in between a burpee, and then you've got to pull yourself back in, you know, up, and then you come up. Chris, I should, you're here this morning. I should have you come and demonstrate, but Chris is a lot younger and, and a lot lighter than I am. But the apostle Paul is, to, and then, then what we do we go and exercise for two or three hours, and then we go and eat the wrong stuff afterwards. Don't we? I am totally guilty of that. I'll go to Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' now, and I'll get me a power breakfast sandwich. It's all that good stuff, you know, the veggie egg and the, the turkey sausage and, you know, and a, and a multi-grain uh, whatever it's on there. And I'll get that and I'll eat that. And man, that is so good, but it's so bland. I got to have something sweet with it. So give me a dozen donuts in between hand and let me finish it off. You see, we're guilty of that. But Paul said, you've got to discipline your life. You've got to bring your body into subjection. You've got to mold it and enforce it to have correct behavior. And he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. I keep it in check. Lest after preaching. Now preaching is nothing more than conveying God's truth from God's word. All of you can do that to anybody you're around. It's nothing more than conveying God's truth. And so Paul says, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I've always wondered what that word was. I've heard it many, many times. It means this. That you are, you know, you say you're a Christian, you're not the genuine article. If you've ever been to New York City, you can go walking around New York City. And throughout New York City, there are these vendors that lay out and, and on, on like blankets. They have all these wonderful purses from Gucci and uh, 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 Gertie, give me a few other, you know. <laughs> I don't know. But they, they got all these wonderful purses, Louis Vuitton, you know. And you know, they say, they're, they're only $10. Whoa, that's a great deal. Have you ever gone to Michael Kors' store? Those are expensive purses. I've bought a couple. Not for me. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. But they're going, oh, this is only $30, and it's the genuine article, and you get it, and you realize it's not. That's what the word here is. 
that you say you're a Christian, you're not the general, genuine article, you are counterfeit. That's what you are. You're counterfeit. And I don't want you to be counterfeit. I want you to be the genuine article in your Christian life. Number five, loving is the most important thing that you can do. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You know, we had wonderful music up here this morning, right? What if Johan, just while we were singing these wonderful songs, took out, instead of playing that saxophone, he takes that, he just brings a cymbal, he grabs one of those cymbals, like that small one right there, and he takes a drumstick. While we're singing these wonderful praise songs, he goes bang, 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 bang. It would be distracting, wouldn't it? It would sound horrible. It wouldn't, be, it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be pretty to our ears. And that's what God is saying in his word. If I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am just a bunch of noise. And then he goes on, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to even remove mountains, but have not love, he says, I am nothing. And then he goes on, if I give away all I have and deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This passage shows us that everything that you could, if you had everything that you would ever imagine in life, you were the richest person on earth. You had it all. Or if you said, I'm going to have all my stuff and I'm going to give it all the way and you become the poorest person on earth. And if you do not have love, your life is worthless. Why? Because love is not always easy. Jesus raises the standard of love. He said on many occasions, especially in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard it said... And then he says these wonderful words, but I say. You have been taught wrong on a lot of these issues. Here is the truth. I, you have heard it said, but I say. Christ's standard is to love every person, regardless of their sins that they've committed, the lifestyle they leave, the strength and weaknesses they have, the beliefs they hold, or even how much they hate you. We sang about this this morning in the song. But when a person gets saved, their life changes. Their life changes. We need to love these people and get them saved so that Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can change their life. So how can we have this kind of love? Pray for the people that you don't like. Give of your time by visiting hospitals, nursing homes, the elderly, or even go into a homeless shelter on your own time. There are people that say, well, we, we should do this as a church. Are you doing it now? Go ahead and do it now. No one's going to stop you. Go ahead and do it and bring others along with you. You don't have to get permission from the church to go to a homeless shelter and help them out. Just go ahead and do it. Befriend someone at works. Uh, befriend someone at work that looks like an outcast. When I was a teenager, I, you know, I was the athlete in the school so you know athletes become a little popular in the school 
But I would always go to lunch and I would always look for the person that was sitting by themselves. My dad taught me how to do that and, and, and for me to do that. He said, just go over and sit with them and then carry, strike up a conversation, just have lunch with them. You will make their day. There's always that one person who sits by themselves. Now, if you see me in a restaurant and I'm sitting by myself, I enjoy that. Don't worry about it. I love sitting by myself. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was a bachelor until I was 33. And so I, many a time, I went out to dinner and everybody, oh, you went by yourself? Yeah, I don't mind. I actually enjoy it because I have my thoughts and I, I have a good time just sitting there by myself. Um, so don't think I, you know, but there are other people that you know that need a friend. Go and befriend somebody. If a person says mean things about you, show them love instead of trying to get even with them. The next time a friend of yours is going through some difficult time, listen to them. Encourage them. Take them out to dinner. In other words, just be there for them in their time of need. The second inward quality I want to look at this morning is faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us, now faith is the assurance or it's the confidence of things hoped for and it's the conviction or the proof of the things not seen. So what is opposite of faith? The Bible tells us it's sight or in other words, our doubt. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us if we walk by faith and not by sight, uh, sorry, we walk by faith and not by sight. These are the things that we can see with our eyes. John 20, 29 says, Jesus said to him, he said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believe. And that's you and I today. Faith gives us a reality of the things hoped for. You've heard it said, like Thomas did, I'll have to see it in order to believe it. I don't know about you, but anybody ever been to Ripley's Believe It or Not Museums? No few of you have. If you've never been, there are things that are in the bizarre world, and you think that you can't even imagine that they are true. But according to their museum, they are. If such as, there was a scientist who developed an instant sprayable non-woven fabric that when sprayed on the body, it formed clothes that would cover the body. But then you could take them off, wash them, and wear them again. This happened in 2010, according to them. But I would, just like you, what do you have to see? I would like to see it to believe it, right? Because we don't really believe it right now. There was a man living in Germany who walked around normally for five years, functioning normally. And he, but, and he didn't even realize he had been shot in the head. And the bullet, he went into the doctor to have this cyst removed. And the doctor said, this is a 22 caliber bullet. And the guy goes, well, it probably happened at a New Year's Eve party, and I was probably very drunk. Five years, they say. Vesna, and this is the one that got me. I just got these from their website. Vesna Volovic was on an airplane when it exploded. She fell 33,330 feet, hit the ground, and lived. Again. 
I would like to see it to believe it. So I can understand when Thomas said, I'm not going to believe what you guys have said unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the nail prints in his feet. And then not only did he want to see that, he wanted to physically put his hand in the side of Jesus before he was going to believe that he was alive. We're all skeptics because we say we live by faith, but we really don't. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, oh, sorry, Luke 15, 17, 5 tells us that faith can be contagious. The apostles said to the Lord, because this is what we all need, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I have to pray that every day because my faith is very, very, very little. Increase our faith. We all know that God is in control. Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11 tells us, for I know the plans that I have for you. Proverbs 19, 21 says, we make lots of plans, but the Lord will do what he has decided. Matthew 6, verse 25, beginning of verse 25 says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I figured it out yesterday how he does this. We, had a, we were up at the West Palm Beach Zoo, and we went into this bird exhibit, and they made us pay $5 for three cups of this little juice. And we went in, what were they called? Not, uh, larrakeets. And we went in, and with the, these little things, and the larrakeets would come, they're like you know, parakeets, they would come and land on you. And then they would, you know, lick out the juice that was in your cup. But that was controlled. When you go out in this world, God is taking care of every bird that you ever see flying around. He's making sure that they are taken care of. And he tells one simple question, aren't you more valuable than them? Won't I take care of you? But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. This is the world. The Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. He knows your needs that you have today. Some of you are so, what we call worry warts. You get up in the morning and that's all you begin to do is worry about the day. What's going to happen? How in the world is God going to take care of me if I, if I don't have, that I walk away from this job and I don't have a job anymore? How is God going to take care of me? I don't know. But God has a plan for your life and he has a plan for my life. And he said, oh, you of little, little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows you have need of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We want to reverse that. 
We want all these things to be added unto us before we seek first the kingdom of God. And God, and God says there's always a prerequisite that you have to do before I do this. Just read the Bible. You have to do this in order for me to do this, the promises of God. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for the tomorrow will be anxious enough for itself. Have faith that God is going to take care of you. Have faith that God is going to take care of you. Fourthly, faith can be powerful. Matthew 21 says, Jesus answered them, Truly I say unto you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you can say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Matthew 17, 20 says this, because of your little faith. Uh, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say unto you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. The faith of a grain of mustard seed is all that God said for you to have in order to move mountains. I have never seen in history, I have never seen it today, that somebody has actually physically moved a mountain because of their faith. Yet we say that's all the faith you need, which tells us one thing. We don't even have that much faith. Christ told his disciples over and over again, oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Understand that faith in God is powerful because God is powerful. Even the smallest of faith can move mountains. Move mountains in your life. The things that you are dealing with every single day. I don't know what you're dealing with, but you do. Have you given them over to God? Have you said, Lord, please work in this situation? Or have you done what, it, what you are capable of doing before giving it over to God? Most of us come to the point where, God, I've done everything I can. It's all yours now. It ought to be, God, it's all yours now. Just guide me and help me to do what I can do in this situation. Faith in God isn't a magical power. He's not that awesome genie that you rub a little lamp on and say, Here, God, I got some requests for you today. And we go to God like he's Santa Claus with our list of things we want God to do in our life. And God's probably looking and laughing at us and saying, well, what are you doing for me? But how can we keep the faith? The first thing that we can do to keep the faith, and I'm going to be done, is to memorize Scripture. To memorize Scripture. The best way to defeat doubt in truth, uh, with the tr is with the truth of God's Word. And the best way to have God's Word at your disposal is to memorize it. Psalm 119.11 says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If this morning we just took all of us in this auditorium and I said, all right, write down every verse that you have memorized, how much of the Bible could we actually put together today? I would say probably very little. I know some of you say, I know John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. I know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. If you can memorize John 3, 16, which is one of the longest verses in the Bible, you can memorize the Bible. Have you been memorizing God's word? 
Secondly, keep track of how God answers your prayers. Keep track of how God answers your prayer. I have a little prayer list. I don't show it to anybody. It's my prayer list. And I write that prayer request down. And then I look at it and say, when it was answered. Sometimes it's answered immediately or very soon thereafter. But a lot of times I write it down, it might be days. It might be weeks. It might be months. It might be years. I remember as a child, I wrote down my aunt and uncle who lived in Minnesota. They were not Christians. And I wrote them down and I prayed for them every single day. Twelve years I prayed for them. But when they accepted Christ and they called us and let us know, I took my little prayer card out and I opened it up and I, it was awesome to put in the date that it was answered. Sometimes your prayers are never going to be answered. Understand that. But you keep praying. You keep trusting God. Keep on track. Keep track of what God does in your life because when you start to see what God is doing in your life, you start to rejoice over those things that he has done for you. The third thing you need to ask yourself, when you, uh, third thing to do is to, when you ask questions, when you question your faith, seek out answers. When you question your faith, seek out answers. Go to a pastor. Go to some other godly person that you trust for help. Get good resources in your personal library that you can go to or have the apps on your phone. There are a lot of great things out there to help you to get the answers that you need. Fourthly, use your doubt to motivate your faith. James chapter 1 says this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I pray for four things every single day. I get up and I pray. After I thank God for all he has done, I pray, God, I ask for wisdom because I just don't understand. I don't have the knowledge I need. I pray for wisdom. I pray for understanding. I pray for discernment. And I pray for knowledge. Who, the Bible says, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. When you ask God for these things, it's a singleness of purpose. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must, uh, must not suppose that he will re receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. He is a man that has division amongst himself. He has good versus evil struggling inside of him. And so he can't make any type of decisions. He's unsustainable, which means he's not firm. He's not constant. He's not steady in all of his actions. They waver. They flip-flop. They, they go from here to there because they don't know what they really truly believe. But if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives it to you generously if you ask him in faith and not doubting. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Our verses. Trust in the Lord with all, 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 all your heart. 
Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. When you doubt, trust in the Lord with all your heart. When you don't have enough faith, trust in the Lord with all your heart. When things go wrong in your life, trust in the Lord with all your heart. When you think your faith is wavering, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let these inward qualities be a part of your everyday life. And if you do, one day it will be evident in the way you live for the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, if we're all truly honest with ourselves, we all lack faith. We all lack the kind of love that we need to show to our fellow man. And Father, today I pray for this church. I pray, God, that we will walk out these doors differently than when we came in. I pray that our lives will be changed because, Lord, you have given us the strength to do it. Father, help these inward qualities of love and faith to be so impactful in our lives that it can't help but to come out in our lives. Give us all the wisdom that we so desperately need. Help us to understand the things we don't understand. And Father, I pray above all things that we will live for you every single day of our lives. Amen.